Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Too good not to believe. God has done some amazing things for us. And he has proven himself over and over again. And yet some people still don't believe. That's amazing to me. That's amazing that, that, that people, after people know that people's gotten healed of cancer and seen different amazing miracles and people broken from addiction and, and, and God helping people in their lives, how still they don't believe. That just blows my mind. We have a world that is just so caught up in evil. A world that is so caught up in themselves. And today we're going to talk about something. It's Memorial Day, but we're going to talk about something that's really hot on the press right now. And we're going to talk about why God, why? Why God, why? Why is there evil? Why is all this stuff going on? The, one, the number one question, anytime I see somebody t- trying to disprove God, the number one thing, one of the one main questions they always ask is, why does good things happen to bad, I mean, bad things happen to good people? So we're going to talk about this today. I do want to remind you um, to, at, at the, uh, uh, the uh, green room of uh, the guest services out there to please make sure and pick up your, your application for membership. And then on, um, I believe it's the 12th, I think, or the 19th, 19th we're going to uh, have a, a class right after church. We're going to have some sandwiches and then have a class um, and get everybody... The 12th, the 12th, um, and have everybody, um, we're going to have a class and have everybody um, go through the, the membership process. We're going to kind of speed it up. It's normally like two classes, and they're all about, normally about two hours a piece, but we, because everybody's been here and we hadn't been able to do it, we were plan- planning to do it right before COVID, and it didn't work out because they shut us all down, and so we're going to do it now, and we're just going to fast track everybody through that process that wants to go through it. So if you want to fast track, this is the time to sign up. You can get that application from um, out front, but uh why, God, why? See, cold, cold does not exist in itself. Cold is the absence of heat. Darkness does not exist itself alone. But darkness is the absence of light. And evil does not exist in itself. Evil is the absence of good. And since, two, uh, since 1999, we've, uh, uh, well, we can go all the way back since the beginning of history. And there's a whole lot of stuff in between all these I'm about to mention of things that have happened. But the thing is, I just want to mention some highlights. And April 20th, 1999, we know Columbine High School, um, there was a shooting and, and there was 12 kids murdered. September 11th, 2001, we know that the um, terrorist group, Al-Qaeda, had, had uh, all kind of stuff going on there. And three buildings were crashed. Um, in, um, into and one, one plane fell into Pennsylvania, but over 3,000 people um, um, died there. February 14th, 2018, a gunman opened uh, fire in uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in, in Parkland, Florida. And we know that 17 students died there, and seven, including injuring about 17. 2016, we had Hurricane Matthew in the Atlantic Ocean. It was the first Category 5 that has happened since about 2007 when Felix came. And it was terrible, and it was about $15 billion worth of damages and killed over 603 people. 2018, a man drove a, a rented van through, uh, right through New York, just in, right in the business district, and just running over people. And uh, about 10 people died and 16 injured and critically injured. In 2017, Jason Aldean concert in Las Vegas, it was a shooting, about 58 people um, were, were killed and hundreds more were injured. You know, recently... Uh, we, in the past two, two months, we've had all kind of, we've had a church shooting. We've had uh, the worst school shooting of all time so far, you know, there at Hobbs um, Elementary. And we've had the grocery store shooting. It's just 
right after one, after the other, after the other. And the biggest obstacle in everybody's mind for Christians and non-Christians um, is why did God allow, why does God allow evil? Why is that? Why is that? I'm going to make a, an attempt today to share with you some, some truth that I believe that can help us get a better grasp on it. Am I going to give you the answer? Yes, but are you going to be able to accept it? And our, infinite, our, our finite minds, probably not the way that we want to. We want a definite answer, and I have a definite answer. But I don't, just us being people, I don't think that the answer is going to be good enough for us. Because we always want more. It's always not good enough. You know, um, Barna, Barna, uh, George Barna did a study and asked, what's the number one question that you want to ask God? And the number one question that people want to ask God is, why is there suffering in the world? It's number one question, you know. Um, and the question, you know, but we, we, we really think that, you know, only villains and bad people, crooks and, and cheaters need to have something bad happen to them. You know, we think that, you know, we, but we don't think about it, you know, in, in general of why it happens to everybody. Scripture says, and I'll quote this later, that it rains on the just and the unjust, right? But we're going to talk about Job today for a moment or two. Job's life was filled with pain and with suffering. And, and why does, we're going to talk about five things on why God doesn't stop pain and tragedy. Number one, God is not the creator of evil, pain, and tragedy. God did not create evil. He did not create tragedy. He did not do that. And we find that, that, that um, in the beginning of Job, we find out that God allowed Satan to attack Job. You know, but, but it was not, God did not do the, the evil. He did not cause the evil. You know, but he, but he allowed it, and he had a reason for that. And we, if you read the very last chapter of, of, of Job, you'll find out, you know, the result of what happened because of what he went through. You've got to understand how to read Job. Job is a wisdom literature, kind of like Psalms and Proverbs. It's, it's kind of written kind of in Hebrew poetry. It's kind of filled with images, uh, uh, parallelism, and emotion. And it's, it's designed to make you think. It, it's designed to make, to, to provoke uh, to provoke a uh, thought process, to make you think about things. It's designed, you know, you know if you read Proverbs, man, it, you, you can't hardly get through a chapter without stopping four or five times and just thinking about, wow, what, what did that just say? Well, you know, the, the truth in that is amazing, you know. And so um, if, you go, if we go quickly to Job 19, the, um, this is uh, in Job 18, Bildad, one of his friends, was talking to Job. And this is Job's response in, in, in 19. Now, he had three friends that came to him, and for the first seven days, they were great friends. They came and just sat with him and just had the ministry of presence. You know? And then on the eighth day, they began to open their mouth, and they began to talk a lot of garbage and stuff, and they began to, to accuse and say, what did you do to cause God to do this to you? What did you do for this to happen? Why, why on God's earth did you allow all this stuff? To, that, that you, did, you, did you do what kind of evil? What, what happened in your life? And they just went on and went on and went on. Um, and uh, the thing is, is that sometimes when we go in people's lives, they don't need to hear what we got to say. When people are going through hard times, sometimes they just need you there. They just need encouragement, and they just need hope, and they need love. They don't need answers at that point. There'll be a time that comes for answers. And there'll be a time for questions. But, but sometimes, especially at the very beginning when it's just hot and it's just the wound is raw in our lives and emotionally our heart is broken, we just want people around. Matter of fact, sometimes just, just being in the same room with them, even if you're not right there beside them. A lot of times when, we're going through, when people are going through tragedies, I, I try to stay near them, but, but, but I try to at least stay in that room. Because 
You know, I know for me a lot of times when I'm going through a hard time, if I just know a particular person's in the room, I feel better. You know, even here at church, there's some people in this very church right now. I know that, that, that I'm not worried about some things because I know some particular people are in the room, and I feel safe. And I know we got, we got a, 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 a protocol, and then I'm, I'm okay, so I know somebody's here, so I know we're all right. And so um, Job begins asking uh, Bildad, he said, How long will you torment me? How long will you try to crush me with your words? But then in verse 6, he, he goes on and says, But it's God who's wronged me, capturing me in his net. You know, so did God really wrong Job? Absolutely not. And we're going to talk about this because Genesis 1 and 31, let's go all the way back to the very beginning. God saw, in Genesis 1 31, God saw that all he had made. So he saw everything that was made that he made. And it says, and behold, it was very good. And then there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So he saw everything that was made. He looked at it all and said, it's all good. He didn't say it's all good, but I, got, I created evil too. He didn't say it was good, but there's some evil. He said it's all good, and that was just the end. There's a couple things that God cannot do. First off, he cannot make himself cease to exist. Number two, he cannot make good evil. And number three, he cannot make a mistake. Really, if you want to you know, say all three and one, one and three, like the, the Trinity, if you want to take the Trinity of that, you could just say God cannot go against his nature. And that's just the answer. You know, if everybody tries to get, what, God, you know, can God make a rock? He can't move. You know, he just, oh, that's crazy, man. God cannot go against his nature. That's just the bottom line. That's, that's the best way that I can put it. But if we consider for a moment um, a bear trapped in the woods, and we're going through the woods, and we see this big, huge bear trapped in the woods. I know if you go to uh, Outer Banks, I go down there, there's not deer crossings, there's bear crossings. And I was going down Outer Banks. I forget that road. Dad knows. It's a big, long, long, des deserted road. It goes on forever. And um, I was going by there when I saw them things. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I literally, within about five or eight miles, I saw a bear sitting over there beside the road. Sitting out. I didn't stop and take a picture. He can get in my car. But I was like, you know, uh-uh. Because if he's going to cross, if he's smart enough to cross the road, he's smart enough to open my door and get in. I'm like, uh-uh. I didn't see them pictures on TikTok where they reach their head in and want to eat your food and all that stuff. So, but, so but the thing is, is, you see that bear, you can't just walk up to that bear and just say, oh, I'm going to let you out, buddy, and walk up there and grab the, the, the trap from his foot. He'll, he'll chew your head off, right? So what you have to do is to get your tranquilizer dart out, and you have to shoot him in his hip, and it has to hurt, you know, and, he'll, and he falls over down and, and, you know, and tranquilized, but he thinks you hurt him. You shot a dart in his, in his hip, and he thinks you hurt him. You're hurting me. And then you go down there and you try to pull the bear trap off of his leg. And when you're doing that, it hurts him more. And it cuts, when you're pulling across, it's cutting his skin on there. And then, and, and he, he feels like you're hurting him. And then you get him free and you freed him. And he, he wakes up and he looks at you. You shot me with a dart and you have um, um, pulled a trap off me and you've cut my skin and I'm hurting and I'm bleeding now. I'm hurt because of you. But your whole point was to free him. See, we live in a trapped world. This world has trapped us with sin, and God has come to free us. And when bad things happen, we look at him like he did something wrong. When he very, very, very plainly says that I didn't come, I bring life, I bring hope, I bring love. I created everything good, but he's the one that we want to blame. We are trapped in an evil world. There's two types of evil. Number one, there, there's a moral evil, and that's the evil that comes from our choices. When something bad happens in here, you know, when someone, when someone does something wrong, the, 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 you know, the, the, the Columbine or, or one of these church shootings, something like that, or somebody 
slaps their spouse or somebody commits arson or somebody abuses a child. Somebody does something evil and wrong. They steal or they, they, they do different things and they tear up stuff on purpose. That, that's, that's the moral, um, moral evil. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceitfulness, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Um, all these things come from within. They are what defile you. That is evil that comes out of us. And then we have the second type of evil, and it's a natural e evil. Tornadoes, earthquakes, droughts, famines, stuff like that, that affect the whole world. Um, and so, Paul writes in Romans 8, 20 through 22, he says, Against its will, all creation subjected to, to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom. That is so cool right there. I, I just never really paid attention to how it said that right there. And that's just wonderful. That, that creation is in bondage right now, it too, because of, of sin. And that one day, just like we are, creation is wanting to be free from this death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth um, right up to the present time. What a beautiful, how beautiful you're written by Paul. But the source of evil is not God's power. It's the result of man's sinfulness and man's actions or our freedom to commit sin. See, the, the, when someone don't have but like two minutes, and they're like, why does bad thing happen to good people? It's easy just for me to say, Adam and Eve. That's it. That's your answer. Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning. It was not designed for any sin to be there, but they had a choice, just like we all do. And they chose evil, and then that started the sin process the, that, that, that went throughout the system and is here today. And that's, that, that was the evil that began through their sin. The, the, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and that is um, the bottom line, right? We have natural disasters. We have birth defects. We have murderers and liars and, and all kind of everybody because of man's freedom to sin. Because we have that freedom. Why didn't God make a world without human freedom? Well, if there's no ability to hate, if there's no ability to suffer, if there's no ability to choose, then there's no ability to love. Okay? Without choice, there is no love. We're only robots. We're the Stepford wives. You know, we, you have this pristine world that has no problems, no situations, no turmoil, no strife, no nothing, but also there's no love. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, your, your mom when you were little and she said, you, you're going to eat them peas and you're going to love them. You know, I didn't like them peas. I didn't love them. I do now. I love them now, but I didn't then. You know, so, so you, know, you, you, you can't be forced to love in that kind of situation because they're, they're, you don't have a choice. You're, you're told what you're going to do, and we don't want that. There's a lot of places, you know, uh, matter of fact, in Scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, you know where, where they were told to bow down. They were told to worship. They were told, you're going to serve this God. You're going you're to love this God. This is going to be your Lord and Savior, you know. So there's a lot of places like that, and that's not the kind of world that God wanted. The world where there is free will and, and it opens the door for people to choose evil over God with pain and tragedy as a result. God loves us and he wants us to love him and God gave us a choice to do so. Overwhelming majority of pain in the world is caused by our choices to kill, to, to lie, to slander, to be selfish, 
to be prideful, to stay sexually um, impure, to, to break our promises, to be reckless. So many things, so much of today's turmoil, all the things are right now that everybody's so upset about is because of man that chose to, to be evil, man that chose to sin. Lee Strobel, who wrote, who wrote um, several books on, on the case of Jesus and all this kind of stuff, he says 95% of the evil in the world today is based on our own choices and 5% is from natural disasters. It's our choice. It's our choice to sin. It's our choice to be evil. When the devil is, is, is in you, he ain't, got, he ain't got to try to get God, ask God for permission. You know, you say, we say, hey, but he, he asked, you know, he went before God and God gave him permission to go to Job. But if you're living for the enemy and, and Satan is the head of your life and Satan is your God, he ain't even got to ask God because you're his Lord already and he can direct you the way he wants to. And that evil comes up out of us and does things. There was a, somebody said one time, so, so, so um, comically, they said, you know, you, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. So you, pray, you, pray with, you play with evil, you're going to get evil, right? You know, then we have famine. And, oh, there's famine. There's kids overseas everywhere that's, that's dying. There's places everywhere that's from starvation. Well, you know, that's not God's fault. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, because if you take all, all I know um, factors like war, inflation, crop failure, and population imbalance, and, and God's pol I mean, government policies and all stuff, but the thing is, if you take all the food that all of America has, um, all, all across the whole entire, not just America, the planet, and you divvy up all the food to everybody equally, did you know there's enough for every person in, in the whole entire planet to have 3,000 calories a day, every day? But we as humans, we don't, we, we, we got nations that are, this is our food. You can't have our food. And we're, 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 we're selfish and we don't want to share. And, you know, we only give in worse, worse times and we don't want to do those things. And so there's enough for everybody, but we want to blame God. But God's like, I got all the food there. Y'all just aren't divvying it up the way you should. We have a choice to do right and wrong. Well, how can they just do evil like that? Well, let me tell you, hey, how about Christians? I've talked to many Christians that I, I said, you need to forgive. They're like, well, I can't. I, I know I need to forgive. I know it's the right thing to do, but I can't do it. Forgive, unforgiveness is evil, right? So, but we know not to do evil, but we do it anyway. So, but then we're blaming people for doing evil when we're doing evil ourselves by not doing the right thing that God's called us to do. Number two, God will one day judge evil. Now, here's what we need to make sure to understand. One thing that drives people is that people get away with stuff. Well, so-and-so, they didn't get paid. They, they, went, they, they did this, they did this evil act, and they got away with it, and they're out scot-free. You know, there's a lot of people who get away with that, then there's a lot of people who are innocent that still end up in jail. It's a messed up system, right? But the thing is, is that we feel like, you know, but they got away with it. Let me tell you what, God will judge everybody. On, in Job, Job 19 and 7, even Job says, Behold, I cry violence, but I get no answer. I shout for help, and there's no justice. How many times have we heard, no justice, no justice, right? That's what Job was, Job was saying. He was saying, hey, God, I'm out here crying out to you, and they're, they're, look what they're doing to me, and there's nothing changing. Just, but here, I want to tell you, justice delayed is not necessarily justice denied. Okay? Because God will bring accountability. One day we will all stand before God, and I don't care if you got away scot free and your whole life you got away with sin and never paid a penalty at all. 
never was disciplined, no, nothing ever happened to you. When you stand before God, I promise you, I don't care how, how many years you spend in prison, I don't care what kind of torture you he have here on earth, it will not be equal to the torture that you will have whenever you end up in hell. So everybody, we have to understand that, 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 that one day everybody will pay. But well, why can't we just curtail the evil? Why does it got to be so much? Okay, well, where do you draw the line at? Instead of 18 little babies die, maybe four about die. Evil is evil. You can't, if no evil, if one person dies, that's evil. You can't draw a line and say, well, just not so many. Evil is evil. There isn't, you can't divide evil to say this is, this is, this is good evil. And this is, it's like sin. Sin is sin. Right? You sin, you sinned. If you committed evil, you committed evil. So you can't say that, well, how about if we only had four wars instead of six wars? Or, you know, this, it's, just, it's just you can't decide that. You can't put that. There can't be a dividing line on it. But also, at the same time, we don't know how much pain it takes for someone to turn to Christ. And a lot of times, there's a lot of people that have turned to Christ because of the pain in their life. There's a lot of people that have come to Christ because of all the evil that happened in their life, and they turned to God. And God allows that a lot of times because of the fact of where it pushes us to. Now, don't always push us there. We've got people's minds who are seared and their minds are cold and their hearts are cold, stone cold, and they won't turn to Christ. But, but a lot of times it, it does. You know, because we've got to understand it's not good people and bad people because um, um, Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous not even one we're all in we're all we're all born evil in an evil world we accept christ and that's that's our only hope if christ and people ask if christ is all powerful why doesn't he not simply just eradicate all evil then well we want to prevent evil but if we prevent evil again we got to go back to that we got to eradicate freedom and if we eradicate freedom we can't love and and then by um removing all the pain and tragedy will have this precision world that 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 will the god the father will just have a bunch of little robots running around this earth and we will too parents no no parent in here wants their child forced to love them you want your child to choose to love you it's something so special when someone chooses to love you were you ever forced to go to something you know to somewhere and or, or someone was forced to go something to your party or forced to go somewhere and you realize they didn't want to be there and you're just like just go don't even stay, all right? If, you, if you're forced to be here and you don't want to be here, just leave. You know, I don't like someone forced. I don't want nobody forced, you know. Um, only, thing I, only thing that needs to be forced is I think kids need to be forced to come to church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, think that, I just think that because of the fact that they don't understand, they don't know. You know, we're talking about the consensual age and all this other kind of stuff that you can't, you can't, you can't, even, you can't even make your own decision who to vote for until you're 21, so until then you need to come to church. <laughs> but one day... God will judge our deeds, and their punishment is delayed, not denied. You know, and, and Scripture says, going back to that, is that you raise a child up in a way, and the, the Lord, they'll never depart from it. And that doesn't mean that they're going to definitely get saved. But it means when they learn when they're young, when they get older, they won't depart from the truth that they need God. So then they are purposely sinning, knowing I need God, but I'm chosen, choosing not to serve God. So therefore, they didn't depart from the truth that you taught them. And then they stand before God and they can't say, well, I never knew. So no, you never, you never depart from the truth your parents taught you. Hebrews 9 and 27. Inasmuch as it's appointed um, for men once to die, then comes the judgment. There will be a penalty. There will be a judgment day for every single person on this earth. Right? 
Um, and, and the thing is, it's appointed for man once to die. Here's the thing that I, I, I have always had a problem with. People are like, there's a day for me to die, and I won't die until that day. Man, I don't, I don't agree with that. Because of the fact, you can't tell me that on 9-11, every person in that building, all 3,000 people were supposed to die on that day. If they were scattered across the world, they were all died on the same day. See, the thing is, is that, 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 that I feel like that there is a pointed day, a day for us to die. That's where God's like, this, here's where I want you to die at. But we put ourselves in war zones. We put ourselves in places we shouldn't be. We do things to our bodies, doing drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things that can cause our body to wear down before that day happens. You know, there can be terrorism. There can be, we can, there can be evil. We can, we can die from all these other things. So, there's, yeah, there's a point in it for us to, today, one day for, for us to die. It didn't say, this is the day that you shall die. It said, it's appointed. That's the day that is planned. But we can put our, just like we can take ourselves out of the hand of God, you, you're, you're secure in Christ until you decide, I'm not serving you no more. The same way with, with that die. That's the day I'm going to die as long as I try to live a good life. But then, then the thing is, is there, there's, like I said, there's all kind of evil. There's, there's terrorism. We put ourselves in bad situations. I knew when I went to the military that I was putting myself in a situation that I might die before my time. We have to understand that. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And I saw the dead, and they were judged. Each according to his works. This, this, is, this is John the Revelator talking at the end in this vision he had um, that, that, the, that everybody was judged. And so, so don't worry. People who, who you feel like get away with stuff, they ain't getting away with it. Not for long. God can, God, and then number three, God can use evil, pain, and tragedy to accomplish good. Job 19, 8 through 21 talks to us about the seven um, images of pain that Job has. He says, he says in uh, 1, 6, he feels like an animal trapped, one, um, one, um, 19 and 7. He feels like a criminal in court, 19 8. He, he saw himself as a traveler fenced in, 19 9. He feels like a, a king dethroned, um, 19 and 10. He says that uh, it was like, he's like a structure destroyed. He then, in uh, 19 10 also, he describes himself as being a tree uprooted. And then finally, in 19 11 and 12, he, he says that he's a city, um, Job is a, a besieged city. You know, and we believe that God is all knowing and all wise, right? And if we feel like that, that if we feel like we know that He knows the present good and evil, what's going on now, then we also know, right, that He knows what's going to happen in the future. And He's an all knowing God, He's omniscient. You know, and, and if He knows that, you know what, we need to tolerate a little evil now so the good can happen, we don't understand that. But he understands that. He understands that concept. You know, 9-11, there, there was that evil that happened, and then there's been not a lot of terrorism happening to us because that day caused all kind of stuff going on and all kind of things changed because of that day. It's not because we don't, it's not because we don't have enough laws. We need more laws, yes. But the, it's not because we don't have enough laws. It's because of the fact that, that there's too much evil in this world. And to counteract that we need more of Jesus because you can make all the laws you want to tomorrow but there's still going to be evil in this world you can take away all the guns you can take all, you can take all the stuff away from people that you say that we want to do and that's fine and we may may not I don't know I don't care that's not, that's not my point my point is that no matter what happens evil is here and evil is going to find a way to do something with so what's, the, what's our way to counteract that Jesus Amen. Jesus 
What, what can we do? What can the church do? Preach Jesus. Yes, we need to pray. Yes. If my people are called by name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, I will heal their, hear from them and heal their land. Yes, we need to pray. But we need to do more than just pray. Prayer is good. But we need to put action to that. And we need to go share Jesus. We need to teach our little babies, our kids about Christ at a young age. We need to get them in the church so we can teach them about Jesus. We need to share on a regular basis, daily basis. And the more we share Jesus and the more people accept Jesus, the less evil that will be in this world. That's the bottom line. If we can preach more Jesus and get more people saved, there'll be less evil. That can happen immediately. That can happen today. If I had 10 million people in one place at one time, I could tell them all, y'all don't do evil. We're taking this away. We're doing this and that and the other. This and th we're doing all these things. Here's the new laws, and th tomorrow there'll be evil. But I can get 10 million people in one room, and I can preach Jesus, and, and 20 million of them, Ten, you know, five men of them get saved, it will immediately, that moment, change the world. So we got to continue to preach Jesus. So let me take a little sidetrack. i got two more points, but I want to go down here, this, this little rabbit trail. Four realities about pain. Pain draws people to Christ. But if, you know, um, because if there hadn't been no pain, there's people who came to Christ because of, of pain. Well, show me that in Scripture. Okay, 2 Corinthians, Paul says it in, seven, in, verse seven, in chapter 7 and verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a, produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. The sorrow brings repentance leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Did you hear that? Sorrow produces salvation. That's Paul said that. Um, Peter um, Keeft, I love what he says. He's a Boston College um, um, professor. And he said, The meaning and the purpose of suffering in history is that it leads to repentance. Only after suffering, only after disaster, does Israel, do nations, and do individuals turn back to God. It's a Jesus thing. Now, now like I said, this, uh, please, it's zero, zero percent political. None of nothing I'm saying today. What I'm saying, do we need to make changes? Yes, all that needs to happen. I don't know how to. I don't know what to do. That's what, that, that, they got to figure that out. But I got to decide what can I do. What can I do? If I can lead someone to Christ, and that's one more less person in this world that is full of evil. So if everybody gets that in our mind, we all try to go out and out, do outreach and reach out to people that are lost and share the love of Jesus and try to curtail that. It will make a difference. You know, after 9-11, the next week, man, the churches all across America were full. All kind of salvations. C.S. Lewis said something that's beautiful. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. In his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We are deaf. We are not listening to God. Number two, pain sharpens our character. Remember the old adage, sports adage, no pain, no gain? Well, that's, that's what it is. That, that scripture is true. You don't have no pain, there's no gain. If you have no pain, you feel like everything's okay. When you go work out and you're doing all these curls and leg lifts and squats and your leg, what, what, you're hurting so bad the next day, then the next day you're hurting even worse. But if you keep on doing it, that pain will eventually go away and you'll get stronger. And that's what happens to us. Whenever we have pain, it hurts, but we're getting sharpened from it. We're getting, our character's being built on it. Matter of fact, Romans 5 and 3, Paul says, And now, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. 
See, when we face suffering, we're growing stronger in our character. We're growing stronger as a person. When we go through pain, it, it, it creates in us a better character. You know, talk about, you know, if you, if you talk about somebody who's learning to sew and they got a needle and thread, they're going to go through and they're going to keep poking their finger for a while because it's so small, right? They're going to try to go through and they keep poking their finger. But eventually, they'll get it done. And, they, and, and it caused that, that pain, um, allowed them to continue on and, and have that perseverance. Some people stop, but what I'm saying, if, you, if, they, if they're consistent and you keep going, you keep going and fight through that pain, you will eventually get that needle through there and you'll be like, yes, I made it. Number three, pain disciplines us for our own good. Pain disciplines us for our own good. Discipline goes a long way, right, in, in training our children and training our adults and, and, and discipline on, on jobs and in church and wherever. You just can't have people just do whatever they want to do, right? Um, a, you know, but a great abstinence of discipline in our world today is a result of the chaos that we live in. The Bible says that, 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 that a loving father disciplines his own. Hebrews 12, 10 and 11 for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we may share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline is good. That's, that's right there. It shows that we need a discipline and that we need to be disciplined. Even as Christians, we, we reap what we sow. So sometimes, whenever we are doing things that we shouldn't, then what we got to do is we need to understand that God disciplines us to say, hey, that was wrong, and, we need, and we need, you need to do better. And it gets us back on the right track. God sometimes uses pain in our life to make us more like Him, to draw us closer to Him, to get us to stop doing something, and sometimes to get us to start doing something. And number four, Pain allows God to turn a negative into a positive. Okay? Um, Romans 8, 28, Paul says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. God causes the um, bad things. He causes, He don't cause bad things. He allows bad things to, to cause good things. Every time the enemy comes and tries to create chaos, God already has a plan for it to turn good somehow. We just don't understand that, especially in, in the moment when bad things happen and your heart's crushed, your heart's broken, you're, you're mad, you're angry, you got all these emotions going on because something bad happened to you or something that you love, somebody, somebody that you love, something bad happened to, and we're just like, I don't get it. But, but we just got to go back to the place before those bad things happen and say, God, I'm going to trust you through it all. Because I know, God, that you have a plan. I, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. I don't understand this. This makes me so mad. But I, I'm going to trust you because somehow, God, you, you're going to fix this because you are in control and I love you. See, Joseph is a perfect one in, in the Bible, in Genesis. Um, Joseph was hated by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into jail. He was locked in, you know, I mean, he was looked over by Pharaoh. And then he eventually got to Pharaoh's house. And then Pharaoh's wife claimed him that she, he was trying to rape her. And it goes on. And, 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 and uh, God did all this stuff, or God allowed all this stuff to happen. And I know if you just look at that in his life, that he went through the pit and he was going through hell and he was going through the situation and he was overlooked and he was accused of this. Accused, look at all, all that evil. What in the world? Tell me something good that could come out of that. 
Well, God did a lot through the nation of Israel because of, of Joseph. If had Joseph had not been in slavery, then he would not have ended up in Egypt. If he hadn't ended up in Egypt, then he would not have um, interpreted the dream that foretold the famine that was to come. And then that led to everybody taking care and, and, and the king making measurements to make sure to conserve everything. And so therefore, the fact that he was sold into slavery and all that happened caused him to be at the right place at the right time to interpret the right dream so the, the whole nation would, would have food in a time that there would be a big famine. And you see how that, how that works? And you, just, you just don't never know how, how to connect the dots. Genesis 15 and 20 says, and, and he told, he told his, his brothers, his brothers come up to try to, to, to get some food, and they realize it was him, and they're like, please don't kill us. Look at all the evil that we've done to you. And he said... As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring me about this present result, to preserve my, my people alive. See, I'm here today because of, of a lot of bad things that happened to me. I was going to be, like, you know my whole story. You know, I'll, there's a lot of stuff happened in, my, in, in ministry to me in the past. that a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and a lot of turmoil, a lot of abuse and stuff in my mind and my, my emotions from people. You know, and it was so bad when I was going through it. I couldn't breathe. I was having panic attacks. I was going all this situation. But you know what? Every bit of it was worth it for me to stand here before you today where I'm supposed to be and be called to you and do what I'm called to do because of all that pain. If all that pain happened, I'll, you would be somewhere else because I would not be here what the enemy meant for bad God turned to good and I'm here today perfectly perfectly perfectedly in the will of God being your pastor because of the pain I went through you know because of the deicide the killing of a God that happened you know that that Jesus died on the cross that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the ultimate example. That deicide, killing of a God, is, a, re, is a, a, a big, huge show of how something bad can happen and something good could come out of it. You watch the passion of the Christ and don't know nothing else. You just watch him die and resurrect and, and cut it off right before he resurrects. Just watch the, the passion and watch of the Christ and watch his death on, that, on that, that cross. And you just cut it off right before he resurrects. And you think... There's absolutely nothing in this universe that can come good of this. There's no way that that much bad, that anything can good can come out of it. But because of that bad situation, look what came out of it. Freedom, eternity, salvation, eternity forever. Christ's death equaled our forgiveness. And the death of Jesus was our victory. You know, the, the disciples didn't like it. They kept telling him. He keeps, ah, I'm going to die. No, no, that's not going to happen. We don't believe that. We don't, that's horrible. That wouldn't be good, this kind of stuff. You know, we, we face lives and struggles, and we can't imagine any good. Number four. Well, I got five. So God can turn your pain into peace and courage. Job didn't understand why everything was going the way he did, and he doubted God. Job 19 and 25. As for me... I know my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will take his stand on earth. He sounds a lot like David, don't he? He's going through all this stuff about how bad everything is. You know, David, I'm Mephisha the Murray Clay. God's left me. He's turned his back on me. And then all of a sudden, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Same thing's happening here with, with Job. He says all this stuff to thought-provoke and get you to think all these things. But then he says, but you know what? As for me, I know my Redeemer lives. And I, at the last, he will take his stand on this earth. And I love that. That's Job. That's before the New Testament. That's before all that stuff happened. It's kind of like he almost had a premonition. He knew what was going to happen. The Holy Spirit had already revealed to him some things that, that, were, that were in there. The greatest pain and suffering in Job's life 
is that he, um, in the greatest pain and suffering in his life, he believed in God's provision. Psalms 19 and 14. Let, uh, David said the same thing that, that Job did somewhat. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable into your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's talking about a redeemer, his kinsman redeemer. See, Corrie ten Boom was a, a Dutch watchmaker, and she helped the Jews um, escape the Holocaust. And she said something so profound. She said, no matter how deep our darkness, he is still deeper. He is still, God is deeper. He's the ultimate courage. John 16, I have told you all this, so you may have peace in, uh, here in me. Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows. You will have evil on earth. And on this earth, you're going to have evil. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And lastly, number five. God has a wonderful blessing in store for us believers. Job 19, 26 through 27. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet my, in my flesh I will see God, whom I myself shall behold. Again, it's like you know something already. It's already if you pay attention to that. And whom my eyes will see and not another, my heart faints within me. Job's suffering hollowed out a big space in his heart for God to do some great things. And you, if you know, if you pay attention, if you look at the beginning, he had seven oxen, seven, all this kind of stuff. He had two. Everything he had, if you look at the very last chapter, you find out that in the end, Job ended up with twice as much as everything that he had. Twice as much money, twice as, twice as many kids, twice as um, um, property, twice as much sheep and cattle and all that kind of stuff. Twice everything. So it turned out that he got twice as much as he had in the end you know how, how your, your day starts off kind of bad you know you wake up in the morning and you, you go to work you got a flat tire you get your tire changed you left your car running while you're changing your tire you run out of gas and you know you, you, you get all upset you got a phone call you know that that uh you know that that you uh, uh got fired from your job because you're late and you run out of gas you know and it's just starting off so horrible but then after that, you may find out that, 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 you're, you're, that you maybe uh, somebody, your, your brother or sister had a baby. And then you, you get offered, you, you, somebody offers a job and it heard that you got fired from that job. And then all of a sudden you got a job making three times as much as you were making in the first job. And then you go home and, and it's your kid's birthday and you're celebrating the birthday of your child. And you're, like, you're, you're, you're realizing how wonderful that is. And you, then, you, then somebody calls you from a long-term long friend and it goes on and goes on. And you end up that day thinking, wow, what a wonderful day. But the thing is it started off bad, but it ended up good. Okay, so my point in all that is that for this first 72 to 80 to 90 to 100 to 110 years of your life may start off bad. But the next billion years of eternity is going to be worth it all. It may not look good here at the beginning. The first part of your day. This is, we're only in part of our day. Okay, Job's, uh, Job's story ended and he got double everything. Second Chronicles, I mean, Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, 4.17. Paul says, for, for this momentarily light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparisons. For light and momentary afflictions. Paul said, light and momentary afflictions. But five times his back was shredded when he was flogged 39 times with lashes. He was, three times his body was beaten to a, beaten to a pulp. He was shipwrecked. He was lost. He was counted for dead. All the, he said that was light and momentary. What a man. 
Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, he said, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is revealed to us. This little bit of affliction. Yes, it's pain. Yes, it's evil. Yes, it's horrific. Yes, it's bad. But one day, one day we will all be together in heaven. Oswald Chambers said that uh, you can't drink grapes. You can't drink grapes. They have to be crushed. Before grapes and the, will get the, before you can get the tender, sweet nectar from the vine, they must be crushed. God is looking for the person who, is, who is, will allow him to fall into the hands of their, uh, their, the Father and crush their pride, crush their self-reliance, crush their self-dependence, and learn how to learn to depend upon the Lord. You can't drink grapes. They must be crushed. So, God didn't create evil. God one day will judge evil. God will make good from evil. God gives peace and encouragement in the midst of your pain. And God's promise is to bless bless us. I want to read this last little thing from John Scott and I'm done. He's a prominent British pastor. I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could we worship a God who is immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha. His legs were crossed, his arms folded, his eyes closed, and a ghost of a smile playing around his mouth and a remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of this world. But every time I turn away in my imagination, instead I have look at the lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through the hands and feet, the back lacerated, the limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from the thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerable, thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is a God for me. A God that he set aside his immunity for pain. He didn't have to have the pain. Well, he, he, he's God, since he, God he, you know, he could have done without it, because he, but he had to go through it for us. And he entered this world of flesh and blood and tears. And he suffered for us. And we, like Job and like David, can say, my Redeemer lives. Can you say that today? My Redeemer lives. And we got to do what we can do. Yes, that may have helped you a little bit. That may not have helped you. But I just felt really impressed that I needed to talk a little bit about this right here, right now, this, this week. That to know that it's not over. In the end, evil will not and cannot win in the end. Amen? Will not and cannot. So we just got to trust God today. We just got to trust God. And we got to bear through this. We got to preach Jesus, preach Jesus, preach Jesus. Pray for those in the government. And then preach Jesus, preach Jesus, preach Jesus. Pray for the government. And preach Jesus, preach Jesus, preach Jesus. And then repeat. Right? Because Jesus is the only help. And one day all evil will be eradicated from this earth. It will happen. He will. Why don't he do it? Well, he will. It's just not time yet. But when he does it, he's going to do it in one big sweep. And it's going to be over. Be done, son. It's over. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. We thank you, Father. We don't understand you, God, sometimes. Even though you put it in your word throughout the scripture, God, sometimes we still question you, especially when tragedies and atrocities happen, like 
it did with these little babies in school and all the evil news that happened, all the evil things that's happened to us in our lives. We don't understand it. We question you, God, sometimes. Forgive us for questioning you because we know that you're in control and we know that you got this. And God, we know that evil has to be here because Adam and, NC, Adam and, NC, Adam and Eve sinned and until, Lord, you come back, there's going to be evil here. There's going to be bad things that happened. So we got to just do what we can to share Christ. So every person that we share Christ with, that's a little bit of evil that's gone. That should make us go on a rampage to try to change every person's life that we can to turn to Christ. So we can know, Father, that we've done something to try to help the situation. Because it don't look like there's any more help anywhere else. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an idea. And if we did everybody's idea and did everybody's opinion, there would still be evil. But thank God, there will always be good. One day evil will be gone. But God, you will always remain. I pray for peace in everybody's heart, in their mind and strength, in the name of Jesus. I pray blessings over everybody as they go today, God. That they will be able to have peace. Maybe share a little peace with people that are going through a hard time not understanding why things are the way they are. We love you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're a big deal to me and a bigger deal to God.